Okay, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm uh, 27. Our pastor read that psalm just a minute or two ago. And uh, we want to look at that rather carefully this morning. It's uh, one of the favorite psalms. The psalms is a storehouse of human experiences. They plumb the depths of man's emotions, his joys, his sorrows, his fear, his defeats, his shame, his guilt. For thousands of years, God's people have gone to the Psalms for encouragement and comfort and wisdom and guidance. They were written out of the crucible of life's realities. And whatever our spiritual mood may be, there is sure to be a Psalm that reflects it. The Psalms are the oldest hymn book of the church. William Gladstone, a former prime minister of England in the former century, said this. It has never lost its appeal, the Psalms. He was greatly enthused after reading the books of Psalms and said all the wisdom and wonders of Greek civilization combined are not as wonderful as this one book in the Bible, the book of Psalms. I think the book of Psalms is probably the favorite book of many of God's people. And it seems that there is, for every one of our particular needs and problems in life, a word from the Psalms that will meet that need and help solve that problem. We're not sure what experience from David's life he based on this psalm. There are some that say it was when Saul tried to kill him. Others say it was when his son Absalom, Absalom sought to dispose him from his kingdom. Whatever the reason behind the psalm, David was facing some very critical problems. I want you to look this morning, first of all, at David's confidence in God. 
I put a little outline in your bulletin if you want to follow it uh, that may help you. And I've called this sermon David's Highs and Lows. Have you ever experienced highs and lows in your life? I think all of us in this room have. I can remember some wonderful highs. I can also remember a few lows. And the wonderful thing is God has a message and a word for every one of us in the highs and lows of our lives. And he has in this psalm. So look, please, at Psalm 27 this morning. And God, David's confidence in God. <clears throat> we find that in verses 1 to 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Notice what he shares here. Evil men advancing against him. His enemies and his foes attacking him. An army besieging me. The war break out against me. Even then will I be confident. He was confident in the Lord no matter what his situation in life was. Whether it was difficult whether it was almost impossible or whether it was very favorable for him. <clears throat> and I want you to note that his uh, confidence in God was based on his consideration of who God is. It's a very good exercise when you may be discouraged, and even if you're not discouraged, to spend a few minutes thinking about who God is. And what does he say about his God here? Verse 1. My light. This is the only place in the Old Testament which God is called light. He was David's light to guide him through every difficulty and to dispel the darkness of every enemy threat. And we all remember John 8, 12, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And so the first thing David says about his God, which caused him to trust him, he is my light. Secondly, he says he's my salvation. And the Hebrew word is deliverance. He's my deliverance. 
From all David's immediate enemies, God was his deliverance. And then in verse 1, he says, God is the stronghold of my life, my refuge in whom I take refuge. We read in Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Back in 1885, in the heart of Africa, near Lake Victoria, James Hennington was dying. He had been captured and beaten. He was consumed with fever and at times was delirious with pain. He was devoured by vermin, menaced every moment by the prospect of death. And he found strength in the Psalms. On October 28, 1885, James Hannington, the day before he died a martyr's death, wrote in his journal, I am quite broken down and brought low, comforted by Psalm 27. And I think that's been the experience of many men and women through the ages that this wonderful Psalm 27 has been their comfort and their guide. <clears throat> Not only was his confidence in God based upon who his God was, but it was based upon his desires for communion with God. Look at verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. You notice the different words that speak of the house of the Lord, his temple, his dwelling, his tabernacle. See, he had a desire to commune with his God and to worship him. And this is why he had so much confidence in his God. <clears throat> There's a verse over in Hebrews ten twenty five. 
that talks about not being forsaken. Have you ever been forsaken? It'd be interesting this morning if we spent five minutes and asked this audience, who have you here ever felt forsaken? I don't think there's anything worse than being forsaken. Our Lord Jesus Christ experienced that more than any other person in all the world. He was forsaken completely. And being forsaken is a very, very difficult and a very terrible thing. He wanted to spend time in the presence of his God. He wanted to worship his God in the beauty of holiness. He wanted to enter into the tabernacle, the temple of the Lord. I remember many years ago being in Canton, China. It's now called Guangzhou. Nancy and I were hijacked to Guangzhou many, many years ago. That was an experience, as Nancy said, she wouldn't give $1,000 for, but not one, one red penny to have again. But I remember worshiping the Lord in Guangzhou when Mao was in charge of that country. And we went into this large church that was filled to capacity. And my colleague, our colleague, was a veteran missionary from China. And he knew the pastors of that church. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to worship the Lord in his tabernacle there in Guangzhou. I also remember years ago worshiping the Lord in a very, very different place, also in the tabernacle of the Lord. It was up in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. After a long hike, we finally reached this little church on the top of the mountain. And I don't think they could fit more than 40 people in it. And I remember worshiping the Lord in that tabernacle. And what a joy it gave me to be with God's people in that very isolated area of Papua New Guinea. <clears throat> So he had a desire to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness in his tabernacle. 
If you look at Psalm 27 here, it's divided really into two sections. The first section, verses 1 through 6, which is David's confidence in God. The second section, uh, section begins at verse 7. And this is David's cry to God. Here he says, hear, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me. Do not forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I guess there would be nothing more difficult than being forsaken by your father and mother. There may be some of you this morning that have experienced that. I don't know. I'm very thankful that that's never been my lot. I had a very wonderful father and mother who loved us <clears throat> and cared for us. And that would be the last thing in the world they'd ever think of doing to forsake us, their children. But here David is crying, do not forsake me, O God. And he could be sure that God would never, never forsake him. Listen to this wonderful, wonderful verse from Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. God said, it is possible that a mother may forsake her child. And just the other day, I read of a mother who forsook her one-day-old baby and left her. So it's possible for a mother to forsake her child. But God says, I'll never, no, I'll never, never forsake you. And so David was sure of the presence of the Lord with him. And he says in verse 7, Hear me, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be merciful and answer me. Look at verses 9 and 10. 
Do not reject me. Nothing more difficult than the feeling of being rejected by those we love. I'm reading a very, very interesting biography on John Adams, the second president of the United States, who was from Massachusetts. A very, very interesting man, a very brilliant man. but a man who was rejected by many others. And it broke John Adams' heart to be rejected by those he thought highly of. And if you've ever been rejected by anybody, you understand what that means. But David could be sure that God would never reject him. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me, Lord. Why have you forsaken me? Verse 9, do not turn your servant away. Verse 9, do not reject or forsake me. There's a wonderful verse in John 14, 18, where Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus will never reject us. Jesus will never forsake us. Verse 11, teach me your way. He was asking for direction. Verse 12, do not turn me over. He was asking for deliverance. Throughout this psalm, David cries unto the Lord, for his presence, for his comfort, for his guidance and direction. And if you look down toward the end of the psalm, <clears throat> we read this, verse 13. I am still confident. You see, his confidence was strong in the Lord based on who his God was and based on what God had done for him. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This psalm 
as I said at the beginning, <clears throat> is probably one of the favorite psalms of many, many of God's people. It speaks of what our God is to us, our rock of refuge, our fortress. It speaks of what God has done for us. It speaks of how God delivers us and directs us and guides us. I trust this morning that as you are here, if for any reason you may be feeling rejected or forsaken by loved ones or friends, that you will go home today and read carefully and prayerfully Psalm 27. And understand that there is one who will never, never forsake you. Never, never reject you. I know throughout our many, many years of ministry, we have from time to time come to know Christian people whose wife or husband, as the case may be, has rejected them. There's nothing more painful than to be rejected or forsaken by the one you love most. How wonderful to know even at that time when the one you think more of than anyone else in the world has rejected you, there is one who will never, never reject you or forsake you. God says, I will never, never leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I will come to you and love you and provide for you. I'm thankful for this psalm this morning that speaks to my heart. And it ends 
just as it started in verse 13. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. His confidence is still in his God. Because of who his God is. And this morning I challenge you to place your confidence in your God. And I challenge you to think carefully today about who your God is. Take 10 minutes during this Lord's Day and just run down the characteristics of your God. Is he faithful? Is he loving? Is he all wise? Is he protective? Will he guide you? Will he provide for you? I challenge you to do that today. And then to realize how much he loves you and how he would never, never forsake you. or reject you. We had um, one of our nephews and his wife with us the last three or four days from Illinois. He's a young uh, a physician's assistant. And they have two little children. They have a a lovely little girl, four, and then they have the cutest little boy, two years old, that I really enjoyed being with. And you know, as I look at that little fellow, and I realize that out there in our world today, on this Lord's Day, there are many little fellows like that, two years old, who are being rejected and forsaken by mothers and fathers. It's beyond my ken how they could do that when I think of this little boy and the great joy he was to us when he was with us. But it's happening. And we all know that. How wonderful to know that even though a mother or a father may reject their own children and forsake them, how God will never, never forsake or reject his own. And so David, in this wonderful psalm, 
says in verse 13, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He knew that he would not be forsaken by his God. And this morning, I'm so thankful that my God has never, never forsaken me. I've been forsaken a few times. <laughs> Not too many, thankfully. But never by my God. And that's what really counts, isn't it? Our God will never forsake us. He'll never reject us. And David said, thank you, Lord, for that confidence I have that you'll never, never leave me nor forsake me. Father, we pray this morning that your spirit might take your word and apply it to our hearts. I pray as we leave your house today, we may spend just a few minutes reviewing who you are to us. And then realizing that because you are this kind of God, we can be assured that never, never will you leave us. Never, never will you forsake us. Thank you, Father, that you are with us day and night, week after week, month after month, year after year. May we love you because of your great faithfulness. And Father, may we seek to serve you with all of our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.